Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of The Cusp Show, the Columbia University Sports Podcast. I'm Tom Richardson, happy to be back with my co-host, Joe, after being away very, for a couple weeks. A very tan Tom Richardson, I thank, may say. Thank so. you. I, I How was your vacation? Away. The vacation was fantastic, and I, uh, I'm glad you were able to do a couple of podcasts in my absence. Yep. They were excellent. Uh, so everybody should check those out. Uh, so to remind everybody, this is a podcast about the business of sports, where we talk to industry executives, entrepreneurs, and personalities, all about what's going on in this crazy business of ours that we uh, love so much. Um, we've got a great guest today. I'm very excited about this guest because I've known her for quite some time and she's a former colleague of mine. So welcome, Leslie Giddis. Thank you. Show. Thank you, Tom and Joe. Great to be here. Yes. Yeah, so let me tell everybody, tell you guys about Leslie because it's a, a pretty amazing background. So I had the pleasure of working with Leslie at the National Hockey League back when I was working on their digital business, and Leslie was my partner in crime as business affairs and legal matters, of which there were many. Um, and Leslie had a stellar career at the NHL and then moved on to MLB Advanced Media, which is now one of the hottest businesses in all of sports and entertainment. Um, she started her own business, Blue Sky Media, which is a media consulting business a while back, which we'll talk about and works with all different kinds of interesting companies. And she's also a Columbia loyalist. So she's a grad of Columbia College. Uh, and she is a, a lawyer by training. She went to Georgetown Law School. Um, and she works with the Columbia Startup Lab as an advisor. So it's a lot. And let's what else? women's tennis. Oh, I'm sorry. And, and she's sitting here wearing a Columbia blue shirt for yes. everyone who's listening. Yeah, but so. also, yeah. So I'm sorry, yeah. Joe. And Leslie, um, she is. What's your? What do you call yourself with the tennis team? I am on the. Guru? I'm a tennis leader. guru. I'm a spiritual leader of the <laughs> okay. women's tennis team. So. Right, which is great. Um, so Leslie, welcome. We're really delighted to have you. Uh, there's a lot we can talk about, but let's start off with the the Leslie Giddis story. Okay, thank you so much. It's so great to be here, and uh, I would be remiss if I didn't at first talk about walking through campus and seeing the graduation festivities. So I'm wearing my Columbia blue. I stopped at the bookstore. I am a Columbia grad and I uh, spent four years on the women's tennis team and I think that's originally where I got my interest in sports and pursuing a career in sports, although I did have a, a little stint as a lawyer before then. But it's great to be back on campus. I'm, I'm happy to be here uh, talking with the uh, sports management program and I'm um, happy to tell you about my background and how I got started in sports. Yeah, so just so take us through the, the chronology uh, briefly, um, because it's really interesting, and I, I think one theme of ours in this podcast is how people have built their careers, mm -hmm. and, and you've built it in a really interesting way, successful way, so let's hear yep, the story. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think I'll, I'll start back to Columbia. I was here in the <clears throat> 80s, <clears throat> late, late That's okay. 80s. So were we, as a matter of fact. So really late right. 80s. We just didn't go here. <laughs> and uh, I got I was my... on Broadway. Yeah. <laughs> Got my undergraduate degree here, and then I went off to law school. And so I, gra I graduated law school at Georgetown, and I came to New York City because that's what most people uh, graduating from Georgetown. I grew up in Miami, Florida, okay. where I played competitive tennis. So there we, we start with the so sports So were you, roots. just curious, were you good enough to maybe to go beyond Ivy League and do something Division One? Absolutely on not. Path? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> a definitive Absolutely answer. not. I'm actually... Uh, Second generation Columbia. My dad went to Columbia and graduated in 1959. So growing up, it was wow. really, I was going to Columbia. Mm -hmm. It was great that I played tennis. I was recruited, but there were, I really had blinders on. I knew yeah. I was going to Columbia. So I came to New York uh, and I basically didn't leave the Northeast. So I, I went uh, down to Georgetown Law School and 
I think maybe 90% of the graduates from Georgetown Law School end up pursuing jobs either in New York City or Washington, D.C. So I ended up at my firm in New York City only because two associates there were also Columbia grads, undergrad grads, and they told me I was going to get free soda at the law firm. It's always so, about the stuff. And right? so all so the, all the in law In the firm, days when there was no free food. There was no free, and soda at that point, nobody really knew it was poison. So right. there were so many law firms coming to the campus, and here I had two really good friends telling me I was going to get free soda. And Michael Bloomberg <laughs> was nowhere near this law firm. Right. right. So, yeah, right. Exactly. So I, I went for the free soda, and I ended up working um, at the law firm. What and, law firm was it? And it was called Hughes, Hubbard, and Reed. And it's very interesting because some of it was a very, very brief period in my career, but some of my best friends to this day I met at that job. And so maybe I'll give them a shout out later, but maybe not right now. <laughs> so uh, I was at the, the Hughes Hubbard and Reed for two years working in conference rooms and not really seeing too much sunlight. And I decided I was miserable and I really had to pursue something that I loved. And I love playing tennis, so I figured I'm going into sports. And so just, uh, it's it's interesting because um, I know all of us sitting here we're all big um, we all have a big network and we all we all love to help people we mentor we help the students we help people find jobs so I actually had a friend of a friend of a friend who was working in sports and his name was Michael Goldberg oh, and um, yeah. he just recently passed yeah, away wow. but he was actually Joe, you know him well right yeah, or knew yeah, him yeah. Well. yeah I mean I'll give him a big shout out because he met with me um, as a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend he took the time to meet with me and we really hit it off and he introduced me to Steve Solomon who mm -hmm. happened to be the chief wow. operating officer of the National Hockey League who I actually had coffee with just this morning and I told him that I was coming oh here my and he, he says hello. hello so, <laughs> so Steve uh, took, um, took a chance and hired me straight out of um, this uh, cold miserable law firm although it is a great firm and uh, <laughs> And so then I, I worked at the NHL as an in-house lawyer for six years, and then I moved over out of the dark side, which was the legal side, into the light, which was the business side um, in television and business affairs. And that's really where I, I worked with you, Tom, and I spent a lot of time um, understanding the media landscape, looking at um, the internet. We Actually, before Tom got to the NHL, we worked on creating the first NHL.com around, um, I think it was with around With IBM, 19, in partnership with, with IBM. Partnership with IBM, I think it was around 1999. So were you party to the JV deal being I was. Created, or did you write the deal? I wrote a lot of that okay, deal. Wow. I don't know. If it worked out well, I wrote right. it. If it yeah. didn't work out well. But but I think at the time, it was, I mean, IBM, IBM came to us, and they... You know, had this idea for right. for the NHL.com, and and we just signed. We thought it sounded great. They were a sponsor, and we basically delivered all the rights to Did them. Did you think of that clever name, NHL Interactive Cyber Enterprises, or was that Gary? At the time, that was cutting edge. Right. <laughs> but uh, that that was really, uh, I think that was more of a Gary Bettman name. Well, it was a good acronym. It was a good acronym. All. And so six six more years at the NHL, working on all sorts of media businesses. I worked uh, on NHL Center Ice which is the out-of-market right. mm -hmm. package on satellite. I worked on the digital package. So I really built a network of friends, colleagues, associates in the, in the media and digital space. And that's really where I was, I was happy. I was working in the media group, um, having a great time. It was just maybe like 10 of us, young. Um, everyone was smart. We were out there having fun. We were traveling. 
Um, and we really grew up at the NHL. And so even though many of my great friends are from the law firm, it's really from the NHL, too. I really feel like mm -hmm. we grew up with a lot of, a lot the of great people. people there at that time in history. Yeah. And they're, they're all part of our network. And, yeah. and mm -hmm. we, we see them regularly. So then I decided to take a chance and uh, leave my nice safe cocoon of the NHL. And I went to MLB Advanced Media and um, worked in their business development group. And it was I was great to take the to step up to the challenge because at the time, MLB Advanced Media was also at the vanguard of everything digital, and so I was really excited to move there from the NHL. Um, it's, it's very interesting, so I was working for a guy at the NHL who uh, was from University of Virginia, Doug Perlman, Doug, who right. we, we all know, yep. and um, one of his best friends was at MLB Advanced Media, George Kliakoff, and George actually oh, was the one right. that hired me. And George, you know, I'd been working with Doug for over 10 years, and I said, well, who's going to tell Doug? And, and George just said, don't worry, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I said, okay. Wow. So uh, Doug's best friend, George, um, hired me at MLB, and then I took, I think, a week or two off. And by the time I got there, George said, uh, welcome, it's great that you're here, but the bad news is I'm leaving. I'm going to NBC. So. Yeah. Well, that's what happened to so. me at the NHL when Rick Dudley quit like a month after I started, after he hired me. That's right, so welcome here, yeah, exactly. and now here are, the, here are right. the keys to the And I remember to saying office. to Rick, like, what? Like, uh, what? Why didn't you tell me this a few weeks ago? <laughs> exactly, it would have been nice so to know. I couldn't say anything. Yeah, so, it would have so been nice to at know. At that point, I want to ask both of you this question. So that happens, as will happen for a lot of people that are yeah. listening to this. What is your first reaction? Is it like, what am I doing here, or do I? Are you depending on a network that you've already built, or your own personal reputation to make it work? And Tom, both of you guys yeah, went through the same. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's really interesting because when when George said this to me, it's very interesting because obviously I'm a woman and I have a lot of confidence. And the first thing I did, I didn't know that much about the digital world, but the first thing I did as I left George's office, I went right next door to Bob Bowman's office, and I said, "Bob, I want the job. Give me the job. I've been at the NHL 12 years." But right. he's like. Yeah, but you were at the NHL, you weren't at right. baseball, you weren't right. at MLB Advanced Media, you weren't right. in the digital side. Right. And so he did give me the job. And I, you know, it's interesting, I just, I accepted that I wasn't getting it. Where, looking back on it, I probably should have uh, made, been a little bit more aggressive there. But I don't know how that would have gone over <laughs> oh, either. So. I, I just think you have to be adaptable. And in the case of the NHL, Leslie mentioned Steve Solomon, who was kind of my number two hirer beyond Garrett, because technically it was a JV. So I actually reported to a board of three NHL executives and three IBM executives. That's right. So Rick was on the board, but he left the board. But Steve is such a great guy, and I felt very comfortable with him. And then I'd gotten to know Leslie and Doug quickly, um, you know, within the first couple of weeks. And it was a really, and I knew Ed Horn mm -hmm. and, and we became Brian big, Jennings. There were so many great people. One big happy family. I was going to say, so, so it was very comfortable. And I was like, Rick, we don't really need you. We'll, we'll <laughs> yeah, take care exactly. of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we know what to do. Just give yeah. us the keys. Give us the budget. But so, so in other words, okay. I think the best advice for people is, first of all, don't panic. Right. It does happen. There are circumstances like that. Uh, life will go on after your hiring manager leaves. And in a way, it actually provides an opportunity. Leslie cited an example. Mm -hmm. Um, well, you, you didn't get it, at least you tried, and you probably did get a little bit more responsibility as a result of George's departure, yes. I assume. Yes, I did. And you know what? I, I was thinking when you said that, I've, I've been uh, you know, reading all of these books recently by these, I read Megyn Kelly's book, I read, uh, I listened to Sally Krutchik's, uh podcast recently, mm -hmm. and about these women who have uh, faced this adversity in their careers, and I, you know, and Sally Krutchik said recently, you know, when you have, she was fired from Citigroup. When you when you fail, so many women 
they they kind of sink away and she said you when you fail just move on because you're going to move up and so I think that was a good lesson yeah. but anyway that's what I thought about at MLB Advanced by, Media by the way did you have to interview with Bob before you got that job I did yeah okay. yes should we talk about that I did let's not talk about that let's not talk about that no it okay. was a, it was a great he he signed it was interesting because at the NHL before someone was hired as you know it, it takes maybe like six rounds of interviews. Right. There's like a compensation committee. This has to be sign off maybe all the way up to the commissioner. It takes weeks and weeks right. and months and you may not hear back. And then at MLB Advanced Media, I, remember I had been there NHL 12 years. I go and meet with George once. And then he's like, come on, come meet Bob. I spend five minutes in the conference room. And by the time I got home, I had an offer. Wow. And I thought, wow, yeah. I want to be at that company. Like they can yeah. really make things, but yeah. it really is a, a microcosm of how they work. This is also time. your transition from a large, more bureaucratic environment to more of a startup feel. Yes. Which is what they were at the time. Yes. And everybody was wearing flip flops. Right. And baseball jerseys, grown men wearing baseball jerseys. And were they, they were in Chelsea Market by Chelsea then. Chelsea Market, right. yeah. far away so, from, but far really? away from the commissioner's office. Went which was a beautiful view of Central Park. Down yes. To, yeah. And at that point, down to Chelsea, a cubicle. Probably. Well, that I had a cubicle, <laughs> and from my beautiful office overlooking the park, I went to a cubicle. But I could wear flip flops. And so, right. again, like, it, there's a theme, maybe, is mm. that I got the free soda with <laughs> right. the law firm. Flip-flops. And then if I could wear flip-flops. Whatever the creature comforts are available, you go after work, them. Some more alcohol is coming soon. <laughs> right. Yeah, then the alcohol came later, but um, maybe we won't get into that. So, MLB Advanced Media, I was there for four years. I worked on so many deals. I worked on the baseball side. I worked on the non-baseball side. I worked on the AVP deal, where uh, volleyball, professional volleyball, where in the middle of the summer... Um, we took a car service out to uh, Brighton Beach, mm. and um, Bob Bowman bought uh, AVP apparel for every everyone changed. Um, it story, changed yeah. in flip flops and uh, t-shirts, and we watched uh, professional beach volleyball as part of my work at MLB Advanced Media. So again, were you, so was, were you starting to do streaming deals then? We were doing streaming deals, right. but it was very, I would say it was a little bit clunky. Yeah, okay? yeah a little bit. It was yeah. a little clunky. It didn't always work. You know, maybe it was like five frames right. <laughs> per second. Right. Um, but we were, but at MLB Advanced Media, we were really the first ones doing it. Right. And then um, the bitrate got beach better. Fall, not beach fall, but wasn't figure skating there at one point? We did the f- figure skating deal. So yeah. I so uh, there was another person that was hired brought in um, to take George's job, and so we worked together on a lot of things. But this person, uh, Kenny Gersh, was a Kenny, right? huge baseball fan, yeah. and so he really focused on a lot of the baseball work. Uh, I focused on a lot of the non-baseball work. We worked together on a bunch of things. But while I was there, I became the first person that that startups would come to see when they wanted to talk about baseball right. rights. So a lot of what we're doing now as consultants is we're bringing our clients to MLB Advanced Media and. You have to sort of get through the front door. So I was that front door at MLB Advanced Media. Right, right. And so that really helped me build my network and see the startup world and um, really gave me the impetus to start Blue Sky Media and to, and to leave sort of the professional league. Right. As well. So what was that transition like? Because both Joe and I have been through that. Uh-huh. But yeah. I'd love to get your perspective on it. Yeah, that, that transition is a little scary. I actually wanted to leave. I thought I had the idea after two years in MLB Advanced Media, but it was 2008. And the, the stock market was crashing. I, I had a nice um, full-time job with a salary and health care. And I thought, <laughs> you know what? Probably not the best time to go out on my own. So I waited another two years. And then in 2010, I left. And it was in... So um, actually, the MLB Advanced Media was so lovely and gracious and nice. And Bob um, was very supportive at the time. And he just said, you know, how can is there anything I can do to help? And I, so I said, okay, yes, two things. 
Number one is I'd love MLB Advanced Media as my first client. Mm -hmm. And number two, I'd love to have some office space. So if I bring people in, I need some place to, I don't want to just right. go get off space. So anyway, he said no to the first, but then he said yes to the second. So then I had some nice office space. Oh, cool. That, that is a big advantage. All right, so Leslie, you started Blue Sky, you have a little cubicle, you're a cubicle in MLB <laughs> Advanced Media in Chelsea Market. And I think, what the hell did I do? Yeah, so, what did so, I do? so tell us about some of the experiences you've had, some of the clients, some of the stories as an, uh, a solopreneur, uh, and then ultimately how that led you to working with the Columbia Startup Lab as an advisor and just kind of getting into the startup marketplace. Yep, absolutely. So I, again, you know, when I was at MLB Advanced Media, I really got excited when I met with the startups. I just, I loved the energy of it. Um, I loved the environment. I loved that people just, they're all in. They just heart and soul into whatever product it is. And it was very interesting because it was the, mainly the founders that would do the pitching, they would do the fundraising, they would develop the product, oversee the product. And so I thought they really need help, you know, and so that really what I thought, I had confidence thinking after all these startups that I'd met over four years, they need someone to help navigate the professional sports world because they don't know who to meet with. They don't know what a no looks like. I know what a no looks like right. when someone, <laughs> someone doesn't return my email three times. Right. I know that's a no. But they or as don't I like to say, if you haven't heard, you've heard. Yeah, exactly. No yeah. decision is a decision. So um, so I so we started Blue Sky and, and it's, it's interesting because I think it's really important you're to your network that you're building as you're starting your career. And, uh, you know, some of the people from the NHL, you know, I stayed in touch with everybody. They were, it, was, it wasn't co colleagues, they were really friends. And so when I, I sent out a mass email, because everybody was emailing back then, and now everyone's texting, but everyone was emailing, mass email to them, starting Blue Sky Media. And I picked Blue Sky because um, I was a, as a hobby, I'm a photographer, and I take the great images of the blue sky with the beach. And so I thought blue sky media, blue sky photography, it all works. It's blue sky ideas, you know, free thinking. That's good, yeah. It's good. Like it. it makes sense. Yeah. Um, blue shirt, yeah. Columbia, Columbia blue. Right. Columbia blue. Right. And so, um, so a friend of mine from the NHL, Bryant McBride, called me up right away and said, I have a great client for you to start. And he said, have you heard of free to be? I'm like, free to be what? What are you talking about? <laughs> He's like, Marlo Thomas. And I'm like, whoa, Marlo Thomas, yes, you know, St. Jude, I remember her. She said, you know what, I met her, she needs someone to help her with her digital business. Wow. I'm like, she, I'm in sports, what, is she, what does she do with sports? She's married to Phil Donahue. And he said, no, 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 she needs someone to teach her about digital. She wants to hire someone for six months, she has no, she uses AOL, she doesn't know what Twitter is, she doesn't have Facebook. This was um, about nine years ago. So. You know, she didn't know anything about digital, no digital platform, no digital presence. So I went and met her, and she, you know, she's very glam, very glamorous. She's Marlo Thomas, and uh, she's that girl. lovely. She was that girl. She was that girl. And she's still Anne beautiful, yeah. beautiful, and um, very animated, very smart. And so she hired me, and from day one to about four months later, we went from, she had zero digital pres presence. We launched a Twitter, a Facebook. We... Um, hired a few people to create content for her. So she wanted video content. She lived across from Central Park, so she wanted to do Mondays with Marlo and be out there on the street just interviewing people that were really? walking through the park. So we hired a videographer. We hired someone to frame out a website. We built a website. I didn't personally build it because I don't code, but um, we, I hired someone to do it for her. She had a budget. And about four months later, 
Um, it just so happened that um, Tim Armstrong was a very, had young mm. kids, and he was a big free to be. Um, he read the books to his kids, and he loved Marlo Thomas. So we had a meeting, and uh, we sold her whole digital business to uh, AOL. Then it became part of Huffington I never Post, knew that. and she is now a part of the Huffington Post's platform, and still is. And she, I don't know how many followers she has, but she has a enormous following through um, her television series, her books, her music, and through St. Jude's, and she's a very active philanthropist. So who was her audience? Her audience was people every age. It's young parents, right. and it's people that are older than all of us in the room, collectively, right. that girl. And um, she and she's a philanthropist. So she's wow. and she's married to Phil Donahue, and so they she has a big audience. But anyway, her social media audience grew. It was big enough for uh, AOL and Huffington Post, and she's creating content, and she's doing great. And so, while so I thought it would be great to say I'm working with Marlo Thomas. Sure. Even people say, well, what does it have to do with sports? Right. <laughs> you worked at the NHL. It's just baseball. an interesting topic. That's yeah. the and best she, part. And exactly, it's, con- it's content. It gave me something to talk about. Yep. She paid me. Which was great <laughs> that I could afford to live, and and then that gave me something to talk about when I went out and got new clients. Yeah. And so so I really I started to meet with VCs and uh, investors, angel investors. I thought if someone's going to put money into a startup in the sports space, they better have somebody that helps them navigate. And so I had a lot of people that I knew in the in uh, Palo Alto and San Francisco, and in New York. And so I started meeting with them, going out to a lot of lunches. And um, only about a month or six weeks into it, I picked up a client named Snappy TV, which mm. was a, their main investor was a guy I went to high school with in Miami, Florida. Did you and know that when you picked them up? Is that how you made He them? introduced us. Okay. I connected through, maybe it was Facebook, I'm not sure, but we connected in some way. I hadn't spoken right. to him in 25 years. And he said, wow, I just invested in Snappy TV. And I, they, they're based in San Francisco. They could really use your help. So I flew to San Francisco. I met with my friend from high school, who's now a Silicon Valley, you know, maybe not billionaire, but he's done very well for himself. And he was so gracious and so nice. And uh, he introduced us. And that was my first sort of anchor client. And uh, they were a client for four years. And they um, were eventually sold to Twitter. But over that time, we ended up, we, we shopped them around every sports league, every network, every regional, every platform. This was before... Uh, Snapchat and Instagram, but we, we did talk to Facebook at the time, and uh, and it it took, I would say, 18 to 24 months before we had our first deal. Yeah. And NBC Sports was the first deal, and the NBA was number two. Wow. And then after that, within 12 months, we had 50 more deals. There was a head of sales and, and salespeople all over the country Ah, uh, the lemmings in the sports business. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, once you get a deal done. Once you get that one deal done. So they were patient with you that, that during that 18-month They were patient. They were very small, and they had no East Coast presence, and so they were patient. And they kept paying me, and I kept telling them that, don't worry, you will get a deal, you will get a deal, but it really took that first one. Wow. So you had two clients at the same time, and and how did you grow from there? Because one of the problems, I mean, Tom, we've seen this all the time, is someone gets into the entrepreneur consulting business, and they put their head down, and they run for one client, and then all of a sudden the client stops, and they have nothing to do. And I think it's actually the biggest problem new consultants yeah. have yeah. is that they get so 
uh, deep into the weeds on one right. or two clients that they forget that part of the job is just being out there networking, right. meeting, doing all the yeah. stuff you the just The value described. of showing up. We talk yeah. about the value right. of showing up. All yeah, the time. And, and I never get too deep into the weeds with any of my clients. Mm -hmm. I set the expectations up front that I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, and I can't take a deep dive into any one because I've got other clients. Right. And so I actually... That summer, my first summer, I had four or five clients because at that point, I just anyone that would come to me, I would work with them because right. I was looking yeah. to well, build I was business. told that was the advice I was given when I was mm. starting. Just, just try to get business and yeah. worry about the yeah. execution later and the money. But, but look, we've all learned this, yeah. and usually the hard way. It's, it's about the management of expectations. Yeah. So mm. setting that scope of work and that dynamic. Yep. which we've all been through many times, is really critical. And as a consultant, people want to say, how many hours are you going to spend? Yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't work that way. Yeah. I'm going to just get this done for you mm -hmm. this week or this results month. Results-oriented Yes, results-oriented. Yes. So, that, so that's cool. So um, it sounds like your journey took you deeper and deeper into sports tech. Yes. So talk about that for a few minutes and talk about how you see the evolution because right now it's kind of at a fever pitch. Right. The funding and all the accelerators and all the things the owners are doing right now. Well, it seems like... And, and the Columbia Startup Lab. Yeah, it seems like everyone nice wants to get into an accelerator. I mean, they're popping up all over the place. What a great opportunity for someone young in your program right. that has an idea. They can get subsidized workspace, free access to advisors... And um, and access to VCs and investors, and so that's sometimes what, sometimes there's a lot of it's competitive. Yeah, it's competitive right. to get a seat, right. yeah. but there's more options now than yes. there ever were. Right. right, and and that's what and I think if you have a good idea, I mean, I'm, I my work at the startup lab, they you know it's everything from companies that have been funded to companies where it's just two people that have some kind of mobile app that they've hacked together, but it's a really good idea and it could be so much bigger. And so through the startup lab, they get access to advisors like me. But then um, again, you know, investors. They get, um, you know, and, and it's interesting because as we've been in the in the industry for so many years, more and more people want to give back and help. Right. And so um, I'm sure you two mm -hmm. would would uh, be welcomed down at the startup lab. Yeah. So so in the, so what is your kind of um, lens that you put new businesses you're introduced to through like for the startups like how, how do you evaluate them at first blush because there's so many ways to look at these businesses right and no. hope springs eternal so yeah. they all are bought they're all, all in on their idea but sometimes we consultants with different perspectives may look at it differently right no it doesn't always match up yeah, yeah i mean it's it's actually it's interesting because of course we're i'm okay i'll admit it i'm mercenary I want to make sure that my client can pay me. Um, okay, that's keep one lens, I'm right. being, Yes, I'm being... I didn't think that was going to be yes, your first answer, that but that's okay. Is, well, because that will get you through the, the door. The lack of bluntness in this yeah. conversation is just yeah, killing me. so that will get you through the door. Can right. you pay? So most of my, actually, my clients all have had a round of fundraising, so that's not an issue. But at the startup lab, most of them have not. Right. And so the, so the first thing that I look at is, is it a product I believe in? And then that's not the only thing. So it has to be a good product. I mean, I've seen a lot of things and I'm like, oh boy, that's a tough sell. So I give, I try to give constructive advice, but I wouldn't necessarily invest my network in it. I wouldn't use my resources to help promote, but I'll give the, the founders some advice because it's just my perspective. I don't know everything. Right. I mean, I 
I mean, if I did, I, you know, I would have invested in, you know, Facebook and Snapchat, no. <laughs> but um, I didn't. Right. So anyway, so, um, and then the second is that, I, this may be too prong, is that the, um, I have to really believe in the founders. Right. Okay. I want to make sure they're honest and trustworthy. That was going to be my next question. And they're question. hardworking. Yeah. Yeah. And because I did, you know, look, we're. Try not to be judgmental, but everybody is judgmental a little bit, and you you have to have a good feeling of your founders. And all of my, we, so uh, through my business, um, we I now have a partner, Jody Shapiro, who's a, mm -hmm. a friend, of, a long career at the NBA, and then I actually hired him at the NHL to, and he ran NHL Network and Center Ice and lots of different things. And I hired him, and then I did what George did to me. I said, the good news is you're here, and it's going to be great. The bad news is I'm leaving to go to baseball. So I did the same thing to him. So, but and now we're part business partners, and so we um, – I forgot where we were going with this. But anyway, Jody's a great guy. So, I, I, But without dropping that, so, so the, you mentioned something about – About good people. Oh, how, how, how valuable – when you're looking at an idea, whether it's at the Idea Lab, whether it's at Blue Sky Media, Tom, when you're talking to clients, is it where you look at someone and say, man, they've got a great idea, but he or she is a jerk, or they've got an interesting idea that they don't know what they have and they deserve a chance because he or she is a good person. How valuable? How much does that play into it? I, you being a mercenary, how yeah, valuable? I am a, I'm a mercenary. I'll give you However, my perspective. I'm believe, not a mercenary. I believe in always being a good person. And so, look, if you're not a good person, you can do very well in this business, in this industry, and in life. However, the majority of the people that do really well, I, in my personal opinion, I think are good people. And so I, those are the people I, want, I choose to work with. So I, the point of me mentioning Jody is that Jody and I have had to only fire one client, and I'm not going to name names, not even if you push me, but we, out of all the clients, we've had probably over 25 clients over the past eight years, and we've only fired one, because we're very careful. Tom, who was the one client that she fired? That one. Go back and look at my client list. You can, you can probably figure it out. Maurice, get on there. Yeah, I don't think they're on my website anymore, because we fired them. But we only fired them because we felt that the client wasn't being honest with us. So we're out there putting ourselves on the line and pitching this product, and if you're not honest with us, then, um, then it's gonna hurt our reputation. It's kind of like they weren't like making up numbers, like uh, with Silicon Valley. Did right. you see that? Oh when yeah, they no, were, that was uh, great. They had the they Joe were making and I up are numbers. Addicted, yeah, yeah and I know. The new season great. is looking really season good. Season four, I, it was yeah. the best. That was so funny. The best. Last week, yeah. um, <clears throat> so they weren't making up numbers, but they weren't being completely honest with us, and it really kind of jeopardized one relationship in particular that we've tried to rebuild. So that's the whole thing with us as consultants is we're, we're mm -hmm. out there, we're putting a reputation on the line. And so we want to make sure we're working with good people. Um, yeah, I would say, Joe, that I, I think it's really critical. And I've, I've gotten better at this through the years. I, I kind of leave out the emotional side. I try to be very stoical about it and say, and, and kind of try to evaluate the business very coldly, objectively. You know, like just pretend I don't know them and someone's just showing me a plan. And but you don't work with any jerks. You really don't. Oh no! Well, I mean, that's yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. that's. I mean, I I, yeah. I, I, I aspire not to work with <laughs> right. jerks. And yeah. To Leslie's point, I think you kind of know. Yeah. You, you get better at um, ascertaining what you're facing with right. a new client in the beginning than maybe when you first start. Um, and when you get older, you have no patience. There, either, but so. but there have been examples. I'm sure you guys have had this too. People that I've really liked, just like them as people, but the business plans right. just didn't really hold hold up. And so and, what do and you do? What do you do when normal, they come to normally, you and they, they normally, have the Normally, in certain cases, I've worked with them because uh -huh. I just didn't know necessarily yeah. at first. 
but I'm a little bit more, I've got, I've become more discerning because ultimately the market, as Gary Vaynerchuk likes to say, the market will decide what's mm -hmm. a good yeah. product, not, not us, yeah, not how investors, I... whatever. Uh, and I truly believe that. And, and something we've talked about in the digital class repeatedly as a theme, key principle in the class is product market fit. And mm -hmm. I think we all get better as we learn more about the different facets of a company, what the product market fit is really going to, how it's going to kind of work out ultimately. And PMF, as we call it, is, is a really tough thing. And there's a lot of entrepreneurs that really haven't thought that through. Right. Absolutely. Which is, which is, which is kind of crazy because that probably should be the first thing you do. Right. And then, you know, yeah. they've, they've left their job. They've, right. they've, they've put... And they've drunk the Kool-Aid and they don't necessarily want to yeah. hear or aren't always open to the constructive but, criticism. And, I, and I've been in conversations, tough ones, where I've just said, look, I'm not, I'm not trying to be difficult or negative. I'm, you, you paid me to give you professional advice and I'm just telling you this is what I'm basing it on, objective information that I have, data, what, feedback from people. One of the things I like to urge, especially new companies to do, is actually bring in actual customers for informal focus groups That's with the executives sitting there and me potentially moderating. Customers or users? Y users, users like yeah. the, basically the real people yeah, that yeah. will decide so whether they're going to use not, their app not or their, not. Not their family. Which not yeah, family but, but like, look, you yeah. and I, we all grew up in an era where in the old days you'd have to spend thirty or $40,000 to hire a research firm to do mm -hmm. focus groups in Pittsburgh and Chicago and Phoenix uh -huh. and, and eat M&Ms while you're behind a glass, you know, uh -huh. a mirror, glass mirror. Did they do that? Well, no, no, I'm saying that's the, that's the research world I grew yeah. up. We did that at yeah. the NHL, we did oh. it at AOL, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Now but now I'm saying, well, no, market. you have a database. You know, you, in certain cases, you know you just bring them in. Let's hear it from them. Let's see what they think. And it's a pretty simple idea. Yeah. But usually it's a, a kind of a wake-up call. I, I won't give specific examples, but we had one with a client, which is a pretty well-known business. And, I, and it kind of blew their minds what they saw and heard from their customers. Because they just had, they were had just never the really class. asked them. Yeah. Like it was it related to their site. And we actually had in, the, in their main conference room, we had actual users that they selected from the Tri-State area come in. We gave them some food and drink. And we literally set up the computer and said, hey, Joe, show us how you use this site. Tell us what you do every day. And what we found out was that they weren't using, you know, 90% of the features and right. special things they were doing, even though all the people that worked there thought the stuff was great. Well, uh, and, and it was a real eye-opener. Well, it's hard to pivot, too, because when you see that and you've invested so much time and so much money and investor money and you're really focused on building that product so you can get that exit and that return for your shareholder or investors, it's hard to pivot. And it's hard to understand that maybe your idea wasn't what it was 18 months ago. Yeah, Hi Piper. There you go. Hi so, Piper. Exactly. Right, so. Exactly. The right. video chat yeah. app. Um, so let's just, before we get into some final questions, one more kind of industry question, because this is such a huge topic right now in our world of media and communication. So the, the, um, the elephant in the room is the dominance of Facebook and Google, and yes. now increasingly Amazon, et cetera, mm -hmm. in the media business. Yes. When you are working with, or have the potential to work with media-oriented B2C businesses, circa 2017, how are you addressing that with them? Because increasingly, I don't, you know what I'm going to say. It's a really hard road, hard road to hoe well, right now with an ad-supported media business. Well, fortunately, um, we are not working for leagues where we have to get the NFL from $7 billion in television revenue <laughs> right. to 10 Right. You know, because right. I think for, our, for my clients, um, we're working with a company called Thu Sports right now, mm -hmm. and there are so many different opportunities 
for distribution and for revenue. I mean, before it would, you know, if you went to the broadcast networks and the major cable networks, those were your potential partners. Mm -hmm. So it was such a small group and they all knew what they were doing and the market was set and it just went higher and higher. And they had all the leverage. They had all the leverage. Right. But those fees were incredible. Right. I mean, with the with the NBA and, and MLB and even the NHL from back when we were there, I think they're at 700 million or something mm -hmm. like that a year. And so, from so with Facebook and Snapchat and Amazon, I only think it's better for us as uh, consultants because we're representing the little guys. And I had a conversation today with sort of a fringe sport, and I said, "Well, yeah, we can get you distribution. That you you know you're not going to be on ESPN, especially you know, you're not going to be on ESPN. But you may. There are so many OTT options. Bam Tech has a multi-sport offering, and Sinclair and One Twenty Sports, yep. and a Campus and Insider, Sports Playmaker. and Playmaker, and give them a shout Playmaker, out. and um, Amazon. And so, I mean, Facebook has um, monthly users. It's going up close to two billion. Yeah, getting close." monthly users I mean and they have money and Apple they all have money and so for my clients I say it's only good because we can now have a conversation with all of those different platforms and you may you're not going to get those fees that you saw before but I think they'll pay something mm -hmm. you're not going to get a per sub fee but you will get something mm -hmm. you'll get distribution and maybe it's ad supported but maybe production fees will be paid for you there's something there for yeah. everyone now and even from a league perspective and you look at the way really the NHL and MLS drove, took media deals, and other sports and other properties can now look at it and say, if we put the effort to go and find the people that want to watch us or want to engage with us, we will go and find them. You can't sit back and wait for them to come to you anymore. Right. And the networks are having a trouble. Kevin Monaghan's talked about that, yeah. about how you have to be leaning forward, not back anymore. But for a business that you have, you can lead them to places and say, by the way, guys, they may give you a check but you better bust your ass to make sure that every one of your followers in your niche sport, wrestling, rugby, whatever it is, has to know where you are and has to know how to engage with you. And then right. all of a sudden, you become more valuable to that platform than they ever thought. Absolutely. Right. So we have this holistic look of, yeah. of media distribution that now includes social media. Yeah. Um, because in the old days, you could make a deal. Yeah. They would take that care of your partner would take care of everything. And yeah. You just kind of sat back, yeah. got get your, your check, check, get right. your check, get your check, yeah, yeah. and then and then when do we renew? And go to the game. In three years, yeah. 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 And go to the All Star game. Yeah, yeah. Three years later, you say, how much more are you going to pay? Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think now, especially with the smaller properties, to have that uh, social media savvy and hustle to become more valuable for the partner, to Joe's mm -hmm. point, is really critical. And we're seeing some companies do that really well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right I mean, now. it would be. It's interesting though to see what some of the other fringe sports generate. You know, you've got this International Champions Cup mm -hmm. coming around. I don't know if they've announced their television deal, but they had a tough time last year, I know. But now they have Real Madrid and I think... Um, Barcelona. Barca. Barca. Yeah. Yeah. I see his yeah. uh, shirt, Barca. Maurice, and I, shout out for Maurice's shirt. Ma so. Maurice uh, Barca of Barcelona. We won't, tell, so. we, won't tell F, we won't tell FCB. Right. And so uh, I think that there's... There's so many different opportunities with really great content. The problem is, where is it? I wanted to watch something last night, and I realized it was on Hulu Plus. And, I mean, I have 10 different subscriptions at home, <laughs> and we just let Hulu Plus go. So right. i got to get Hulu Plus again. Right. So another, not to plug my client through sports, but I will okay. plug them. They have a sports programming guide. So you can see they, they cover mm -hmm. like 50 different sports. So it will tell you, you can pick your sport. It will tell you, you put in your zip code and what your suppliers it will tell you where it is on cable and also on where it is online and it will connect if 
they have affiliate deals, so you can go straight to the stream. So I think that's a problem. So too. you go to something like collegiate lacrosse or Spartan Race or something yes. like that, and it'll tell you it's on it NBC will, Sports Network. Yes, or it will say go to a local sports bar. It's nowhere. Go to a local sports bar. It does well, have that. An option. That's an option. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, sort of the TV guide for everything on the internet is something that's no, also crucial. That's a really good crucial. idea. Yeah, well, good. All right, so a couple of final uh, questions yes. um, that we ask everybody. Let's start with the uh, one of my favorites, which is how do you stay smart? How do you keep up with everything? What... I thought you were going to say, how do you stay fit? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> right. I, do. You look very I do. fit. I do feel fit. You can fit. talk about it yeah. if you want. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I'm doing this whole phenomenon. Right. Um, uh, but it, no, seriously, what, what are you reading? It's really different than the old days, obviously. What are, you, what are you reading? What are you listening to? What are you watching to keep up on everything? Because part of our job, of course, is our stock and trade is information and knowledge, yes. which means probably more so than most people, we're a little bit sensitive to, to our diet. Of yeah. information. Well, I'm embarrassed to say I could be one of the only people that is addicted to Twitter based on their stock price. But I think everyone in this well, room you, is you probably addicted to Twitter. Room. I think they have yeah. maybe <clears throat> 300 million or something like that. But I mean, it's really a shame that their stock price is so low. Be hopefully it's going up because I'm addicted to Twitter. I read, I get the breaking news from you both mm. on sports and I get the breaking news on everything, political um, sports, media, entertainment, whatever it is. I'm addicted to it. It drives my family crazy. I'm always on it. I'm always forwarding them articles from Twitter. Um, but I love it. It keeps me up to date. I all, I mean, I listen to podcasts all the time. Are there I, any specific uh, accounts other than Joe's that you can recommend? Well... I mean, handles, I should say. Handles, Tweeters. yeah. User handles. I, I follow um, my VC friends, um, so I can um, I know what they're doing, so I, I can give them a heads up if I see anything interesting for them. Um, do you I keep lists? Do you have lists, categorical lists, like VCs or politics or something like that? That's, that's something I do that works pretty well. That's a great idea. Yeah. I'm going to try Just that. Just so it doesn't I'll become this big... Uh, this big mess yeah. you know, of different information. So I have one just for what I call it, uh, digital slash VC stuff, and uh -huh. then one just for um, politics. Okay. So I keep You're the politics Donald out Trump? of my main feed, okay. <laughs> whoever. Okay. Uh, and then one on music stuff that I'm interested in. Okay. So that way my main Twitter feed is a little bit more manageable. Okay. You know, because I, like you, and, and Joe feels the same way, I take it very seriously. So I say to individuals who I know, for even friends, like if you if you offer me high value content, I will follow you. If you don't offer me high value content, I will not follow you. Well, that's the thing. So. Like I'm constantly curating my follow list yes, because so me too. I mean, and I think if someone is tweeting too much, and it's not relevant. They're out. And I bet like you both better follow. Right, Pete exactly. Carroll. I just bounced exactly. Pete Carroll. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I hope so you will follow me because I'm actually I'm a big fan. You get a retweet of, from Joe, and big things happen. He's got a huge follow. Yeah, yeah. come on, Joe. He's, he's going on his Twitter right, right now. Give me a follow, LG Blue Sky. Follow me on LG Blue Sky. I'm also very. I mean, I, I've definitely taken up the cause recently of women um, really fighting to get women represented on, in sports, media, technology, whatever it is. It, we're so underrepresented, and there's so many incredible women out there. In, I am following in, you. Oh, you are? Yes. Oh, great. <laughs> you I'm haven't retweeted. Up, so I, I say, apparently, you haven't oh, yeah. been liking you, you, or retweeting. You, you have not been liking or retweeting, preferably a retweet. Um, but I'm constantly trying to... I'm trying, constantly trying to get more women represented, um, young women, uh, you know, interested and in, in getting 
getting more women to the table and I'm constantly looking around and, and seeing the underrepresentation of women in our industry and I think everyone in this room that right now for this podcast we're all trying and this we're not talking about you but it's really a problem and the only way to change it is to give women more access and equal access and so a lot of my Twitter is I'm, I'm trying to promote different things that's why I mentioned I read Sally Krawcheck's book and Megan Kelly and I'm really trying to see how they're handling it and see what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And so I mean I'm I go to New York Times every day. I read you know I don't read anything on paper anymore. Everything's um, on my iPhone. And so iPhone not Android. No. I don't know why, but I just like it. Everything works. And um, and are you a favorite podcasts? I do. I have so many podcasts. I do This American Life for fun. Great. I listen to a a very good friend of mine, and she's a Columbia grad and CNN on-air anchor, Poppy Harlow. Mm -hmm. She interviews the titans of of media and business, and she just asks great questions, and 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 she's very animated, and so um, I follow Poppy. And I follow uh, Kara Swisher, but uh, sometimes yeah. she gets a little out she of control. Gets political, yeah. She gets a little political, a little out of control, and so I may have stopped subscribing at one point, but I think I'm subscribed again. Um, and so, and I listen to the uh, sports management program from Columbia University <laughs> podcast. Good, that's look, just yes, this that was the right answer. Just this morning, we can go to the final question. <laughs> just, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah, for the first time this morning. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, that's great. I, I find that. Um, you know, the other thing, challenge that I have with podcasts, which you just kind of referred to, is I, I struggle sometimes with wanting good, real, meaty, nonfiction information, uh-huh. like the uh-huh. business stuff, and yeah. then really enjoying some of the more cultural, general stuff, like Alan Baldwin, Alec Baldwin here, the yeah, thing that's really good. Yes. Uh, yeah. I just finished S-Town. Oh, which, okay. Oh, I right. have if you guys list. haven't listened to that, mm-hmm. that's like the new serial. Yeah, but I did just the ended. other ones. Yeah. That was really impressive. Um, but I always feel a little bit guilty that I'm not listening to more nourishing business stuff when I because po- I because there's so much good stuff on podcasts from not a nonfiction standpoint. So yeah, there's so much. Anyway. There's no shortage of um, great material. So before we get yeah. to the last question, yeah. we didn't really touch on the Innovation Lab as much as I think we probably should have. But just tell a little bit for people who are listening, what exactly is it in a couple of minutes, and then. How do people get involved and what are the, some of the success stories that have already come out? Yeah, I mean, the, um, the Columbia Startup Lab is really an incredible mm-hmm. idea. It, it started from, it's a university initiative, and I think that it involves co- the college, the engineering school, the business school, um, general studies, and maybe one or two others. You, you should certainly get the sports management yeah. program involved too, and I would advocate for that. Um, and so what it is is they sponsor a co-working space down in Soho. It's a really cool we've been there. space. We went once, I think, right? I think I've been there once. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. in Soho West. Um, we work space. There's so much to do down there. They have uh, kegs, you know, on Thursday free afternoon. Free. They have free coffee, <laughs> okay. not soda. Soda's out. Coffee's in, and um, they actually have one of the. Um, Companies down at the startup lab is a coffee company. Cold and everyone, and everybody like wears flip flops. Flip flops, flip flops, t-shirts. Everybody, it's amazing. And so they sponsored 19 companies this past year. You have to put in an application. It's an initiative from the university level. It's part. It's called uh, entrepreneurship, and it's um, they sponsor this space and then they subsidize it. So oh. if you're a if you're a team, the requirement is that w- one of the founders has to have a Columbia 
degree from mm -hmm. one of those schools that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. And then I think it's a two-year, you get two-year residency. Wow. And so awesome. it's really an incredible opportunity for founders that are just getting started that don't have a lot of money. And then you get access to everything that Columbia is bringing in. And then once you graduate from the startup lab, some go on to other accelerators in the city, but then they still, they stay on the email list. So I'm constantly, so what I do down there is I give uh, office hours. So I'll have office hours every two or three months, but in between my off, and I, um, they sign up, half hour slots, it's like a shark tank, but yeah. half hour slots, and they pitch to me, and then I give them feedback right there, and then within that 30 minutes, I'll, if I say, oh, they need to talk to um, someone at the NHL, right there while I'm sitting with them, I'll send an intro email to someone at the NHL. Right. So I try to get things done right there while I'm sitting right. with them, and then in the two to three months in between, we check in, you know, a lot of times they want me to just um, connect them with different people. Mm -hmm. And I say, you know what, let's focus on like one or two things. And I'm happy to help as, as part of the service I do with Colum to, for Columbia. And so it's been really great. I've been doing it now for about three years. And they have a new class coming in. My office hours are done for this year, but I'll, they have a new class coming in in June. And so I'll start again in June for That's the first right. office hours. I love that idea of real-time advisement. Real-time. need a connection? I know. And it, yes, Take exactly. out your phone. Yeah, exactly. Like, you need money? Okay, here's this investor. Really? Here we well, go. I think like, here's a check. <laughs> yes, no, no, not for me. But yeah. although they, it's, it's interesting. They do want, they, you know, they all need money and they all want money. But, um, I tr you know, I try to keep it very separate. I advise them and, uh, and don't invest. That's great. And, that's good, great. Good for you for doing that. Um, final question is yes. um, we've got a lot of young people listening. Yes. Can you, can you offer some career advice? Career advice. Well, what I said earlier, don't if you fail at anything, don't let that set you back. Just move forward and don't focus on failure. I think that that's a really good lesson. And then also, I think it's really important, and I see this more and more as I've been in this industry now for t over 20 years, is it really is these relationships. I mean, Tom and I met at the NHL 15 I don't know. I don't it's want to say actually, how many years. Several years ago. <laughs> I don't mean, a few years. It's just closer a few to 20 years ago. Okay. okay. I, again, I said lunch today with you know the person who hired me from the NHL, constantly in touch with people there. And so it's really the people that you um, are working with at school. My best friends, uh, Teresa and Alex from Columbia, are my best friends now. And they help me in the industry. They've helped me with the MBA, with, with other uh, firms. And so I think it's really about the relationships. And again, be a good person, do the right thing, and I think things will end up okay. And if, if you don't, things may still end up okay, but right. in most cases, just do the right thing. That's great. Terrific. Well, Leslie Geddes, thank you. Thank you so much, that listeners. Was, that was terrific. This so was Leslie, great. the founder of Blue Sky Media. And we can um, follow, find And we can where? follow Leslie at uh, LG, LG Blue Sky on Twitter. At LG Blue Sky. Right. Follow it. It is the hot, hot place to be. <laughs> right. There are millions of followers. Millions of followers. Got a couple um, anything else you want to plug right now? Any books you've written recently or movies Book, you've been in? Or books something? that I've written. Uh, the Iliad and the Odyssey, two of my okay. favorite books this is of where all we started. time. Right. So, <laughs> favorite yeah. books of all time. Oh, all these people that took the core have to mention it yes. eventually. <laughs> exactly. Right. Your um, lasting impression. Yeah. And if, do, you, do you want to offer up your email address? Is that cool? Oh my God, no. Just okay. go to Blue okay. Sky Media and okay. I have my contact That's information there. Some people have actually offered their email. Really? I think Golding did that. Yeah. Oh, he did? Yeah. Oh. So, so email I don't overload. Want to put you in a, I put, yeah. put you on the Text spot, me, tweet me, Insta yeah. me. Twitter. Snap me. Um, snap me at LG Blue Sky. Ooh, okay. I have like five followers on Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, Leslie, thanks again, Joe. A pleasure. Tom, welcome back. Thank you very much. And Maurice, great job as always. 
Uh, we'll see everybody next time. If you want some more information, by the way, on Leslie and her bio and some of her uh, links, uh, they'll be in the show notes for this episode. So check that out when you get a chance. Thanks again, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Cusp Show, the Columbia University Sports Podcast. I'm Tom Richardson, and my host is Joe Fabrito. My production assistant this week is Columbia student Reese Eisenman. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple's podcast app, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and other key platforms. You can also find it at blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Cusp Show. And you can get in touch with us on Twitter at CU underscore SPS underscore sports. Also, you can find out more about our program, the Columbia University Sports Management Program, by going online at sps.columbia.edu forward slash sports hyphen management. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time.